Hi, uh, this is Mike Edelhart. And I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, new ideas in science, careers, and sometimes even a little glimpse into the future. And uh, today I'm here with uh, my partner, Charles Smith, who was the very first guest on Inception just a little over a year ago. We generally don't do these things talking to one another. The point is to talk to portfolio companies, but because of the anniversary and because of, of some of the things going on out there today, Charles and I thought it might be a good idea to uh, bring the old act back and have a partner-to-partner chat. So, Charles, great to see you with all that hair and me with all this hair. I'm not used to it. <laughs> no, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not used to all this hair. Mike, it's, it's, uh, it's great to see you as well, 2,700 miles away via Zoom. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's great to be back. So, yeah, great to have a chance to talk with you, too. We love having the chance to talk, and we can't do it in the normal way over wine or uh, uh, in uh, beautiful Brooklyn or anything like that. So I miss New York, and I'm worried that by the time I get back there, the city I'm missing may not really be there anymore, at least not in quite the same way. What do you think? I think what has always attracted me to being in New York and around New York is the people that are attracted to New York. I don't see that changing. There will be certainly be shifts. I think that people who think that density is going to go away, I feel like when COVID is over, everybody is going to want to go back to being as close to each other as they possibly can. You know, America is, is truly a, a, a land of supply and demand. Where prices go down here, they go up somewhere else, and so I think that I, I think that a lot of New York um, will certainly change significantly. But I think the types of people that you want to be around are are, are going to still be coming to New York. Yeah, I'm sure New York will be different. I can just kind of sense it from afar. And San Francisco is going to be a little different too. I think San Francisco may get back some of its funky charm. Yeah, after this, some of the intensity of outside interest and folks that were geographically drawn to San Francisco without being culturally drawn to San Francisco uh, may change. Um, I'm looking at the real estate prices in New York and I have to admit going, you go kid, because yeah. uh, I haven't seen anything like it in, uh, in recent uh, history. San Francisco is interesting, right? Because I was looking at San Francisco and, and it seems that because of its geographical limitations, it's uh, has really priced itself out of a lot of things and, and, and maybe that changes. And I think that one of the things that we're really interested in right now is how does, how does COVID impact the future of work? How do companies that we're, we're dealing with um, uh, change that? And how does that change the geography of cities? As you see with many major changes, I think you're going to see a true unleashing of creativity. Right. Um, and someone is going to figure out, Oh, if I take this old office building and redo it like this, that's where everybody's going to be. Everybody's going to yeah. want to be there. Well, we talked about this uh, as a team the other day that space yeah. is going to be uh, likely uh, redefined by COVID. Personal space, inner space, and public space. Uh, we're already seeing it. It's the outer edge of the sidewalk and the first place where cars might otherwise be is now outdoor dining and yeah. a building place and some of those kinds of things, which have been alleys. There's a big thing in San Francisco to put restaurants and all on alleys. The restaurant's going to be in the alleys. Well, we've also, as a fund, been talking a lot, really, I don't know, a 
ruminating about, agonizing over all of the social tumult here in the U.S. and the question of of fairness and uh, support and access for all possible uh, entrepreneurs and all possible people in sort of all possible areas to full expression of uh, rights, capabilities, and the uh, uh, pursuit of happiness and all that. Well, as we've said to one another, and we said in some of our meetings with CEOs, there are just so many ways right now to get it wrong, wrong-footed. Almost everything we do or we don't do could be construed in one way or another as being false, insincere. So what do you think about all this? And and not politically speaking, but yeah. the view of a fund. I mean, we're a little fund. We do what we do. How can we respond to all this in an appropriate fashion? I, I think there are, I, I think there's a, a number of ways to look at it. I think that the amount of people who um, truly care about what we're going to say on the matter as a fund, a broad proclamation is very small. Uh, I think that the impact that we can make as venture capitalists, whether it's our fund or other funds on distributing what we do to a wider audience can be significant. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we should focus our time. And I think that I believe in venture capital as a way to, to spread wealth and to create jobs. What, do, what can we do? And the first thing to do is, okay, what is our responsibility? And our responsibility is to our investors, right? Mm-hmm. We have to make as much money as possible for our investors. They are our bosses. That's the, that's the commitment we've made to them. And once we understand that, then studying how to do that in the system of America that exists. And, and the thing is, is we're not just American, right? We're global. Right. There's not an easy answer to that. But I think we can look long and hard about how we get more access to people that have been disadvantaged across the globe. And that's going to, that group of people may be different depending on the country we're talking about. But certainly in the United States, as people of color, there were a population that was enslaved how do we create more access to that? Um, and in so doing, how do we make more money for our investors? Yeah, I think I agree with what you said with a few kind of alterations and emendations. One is, I'm a big believer in venture capital too. That being said, I think we should acknowledge, or at least I feel, that venture capital is a very specific and limited and perhaps not ideal way for companies to get started. In fact, most companies don't get started with venture capital. They get started with family money, personal money. They get started by uh, selling things on the street and keeping one more dollar than you spent today and you accumulate that good old-fashioned sweat equity, shoe leather, courage, and guts ways of getting companies started. Um, And we have this peculiar way of getting certain kinds of companies started that is dependent on us satisfying our investors so they give us the money so that we can do it. Uh, I'm always trying to think of how can we do this better? How can we do this new way? We're not like most venture capital funds already. And that may actually be the heart of the matter for us here. So uh, I think there are populations out there uh, that for one reason or another uh, may not be uh, as present in uh, the venture capital world as possible and may not be as understood in the venture capital world as possible and recognized and supported. I think we have to look at all of those things. 
our fund is committed to backing the best companies in the world in the best segments in the world right at the beginning. And I think we are uh, uh, meritocratic and blind when it comes to that. So we have black founders. We have lots of women founders, Asian founders, mixed founders, mongrel founders, all kinds of different founders. And we're looking for great founders. We're looking for great founders. And the same thing is true with our team. Our team is sort of wildly diverse, not because we're trying to pick and choose certain kinds of people, but we're looking for great people. And we look for greatness across the human population and wind up with diverse because uh, talent and everything else doesn't just wind up in one population or another. But I think the big thing for us, uh, and we've talked about this a bunch, is the question of, do we know we're finding all of the entrepreneurs with potential? One of the things that I've been very interested in, uh, in looking at is you know, the black population in college in the United States. It's very easy to say, oh, we should look more at the historically black colleges. But only three to half to four percent of the of the black uh, people currently in college are at those colleges and universities, right? And so um, the majority uh, of the rest of them are at large state institutions, which are also almost always great research institutions. And you know we do pick up uh, interesting things from the University of Indiana or Ohio State. Uh, but could we be doing more? Could we be finding? Uh, and reaching out to the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial programs at those universities. Can we get those things in our database? Because I think that we're very good at once a company is in front of us at determining whether or not that founder is going to win. You know, one of the first things we look at, we look at how, how we think a founder is going to be able to attract a team and continually attract a team. You know, the things that are important to us are always going to be important to us. The more we see, the better we are. And our number one source for new companies that we invest in is other founders within the portfolio. Mm-hmm. So to, 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 to establish a bigger network is just better for us. And allowing that network, as it already does, to feed into us is something that we should be, be looking long and hard at. Mm-hmm. And if we're identifying enough black founders, if we're identifying enough indigenous founders, um, and I don't know that there is actually enough, but the more of those that we identify, uh, the more that we're going to invest in because of the way our, we, we work as a team. Right. And that's, that is going to add more uh, to us. It also makes us look at, at hard at what we think a big, a quote unquote, big enough market yeah. is. And we're very willing uh, as a team to look at spaces which we think are very narrow if we think they can be dominated by the entrepreneur yeah. we're talking to. And we have to take that same approach if someone comes to us and says, this is a product that is specifically for African-Americans. And instead of dismissing that and saying, well, that's 12 to 13% of the population, it's a too small market. Well, if they can dominate that market, it's, it's going to be big enough for a good exit. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the state universities, and, and we can even talk about community colleges. I think that's terrific to say you know, to date, we found it really challenging because um, showing up at uh, an Ivy, they're all organized, they're great at marketing their students. Their students got there by being great at marketing themselves. Yep. And sure. so it's, it's the classic self-selection going on. Ohio State with 40,000 uh, students, not to pick on them in particular, but all these other schools tend to be l- less well-organized less fully uh, knowledgeable of that enormous seething population of students. 
in many cases, the students may be much more sort of fluid in finding themselves. And that puts more obligation on us. The easy way out is to say, well, that's really confusing. We'll just leave it alone till somebody does something like go to grad school or walk in the door um, or apply to Y Combinator. Yeah. But I think we have to take on ourselves a little more effort in those places. The other thing that's been on my mind a lot is maybe not college. Uh, and, uh, and what does that mean to us? And how do we look at that? We're, we're, we've become good at sort of operating in this structured universe of entrepreneurial organizations and accelerators and universities and places where entrepreneurs, as we define it, may self-identify yes, by yeah. your presence. But I'm as sure as I can be that there's a bigger world of human beings who have the potential to contribute enormously to the future of other human beings. And we don't have a method for identifying those. So I think where, you know, we've come down, and at least where I'm coming down, I'd love to hear your thoughts, is that we should really rededicate ourselves or maximally dedicate ourselves to finding here, to addressing that question, not just on our behalf, but on the behalf of the broader community, uh, where are the entrepreneurs? Our responsibility to the people that we talk to that are founding companies and being honest to them about why we're saying no, uh, if we say no, and honest to them about why we're saying yes, if we say yes, I think that continues to be our responsibility and even more so to underserved uh, communities here right. because you know, the, the understanding of what it means to build a company. If you're, if you're coming from a non-traditional entrepreneur uh, uh, um, and we're taking the responsibility of finding those people, I think we also have to take the responsibility of saying, this is what we look for. And th this is how it, it, it th this is how we're going to invest in you. That, that, I think that's part and parcel of the responsibility of taking on um, a, a, a wider scope. Uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful we can do that as well. I sure hope so. I'm sure committed to trying. So uh, we're going to uh, open up our lenses here for not just the rest of this year, but starting now going forward to do what we've done as a fund in other areas, which is find every single uh, entrepreneur uh, in the areas we care about. And if we can identify some areas that we don't care about that appear to have the right characteristics uh, for success as we define it, to open it up there and meet them all. And I think also in the spirit of what's going on here to make that broadly available, not just to say we found them, we've looked at them, we're done. But we found them, we've looked at them and whatever came out of it, uh, make that available to the broadest possible universe. Here, every other fund, here, every other angel. Here is all we know about entrepreneurs of this sort. And if you want to meet any of them, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, and I think, I think the, the ways to think about success and driving different ways of success, that gets very interesting too. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm certainly personally committed to doing this and I'm, I, and I'm personally committed to taking the responsibility on myself to learn more about these issues, understand the fundamental differences. And the more we can also encourage that amongst the people within our firm, we're going to be better off as a, firm, as, as, a as a fund also. Yep. And we don't usually do that. I agree. And we don't usually do this here, but anybody listening to this, if you have any thoughts on these topics or the ideas we're bringing up here, share them. If you know somebody you think might have an interest, uh, uh, share this with them. And we'd love to hear their thoughts. If you know an entrepreneur from uh, uh, outside the sort of mainstream populations you think may not be getting a fair hearing, bring them in here. 
And we'll be back to report on this going forward. So this is a year. I think we probably got to do this again in six months, huh? I'm willing. Uh, yeah. And before the end of the year, so that we can say to folks, well, we talked to you in the summer when we're all other, under lockdown. And uh, here's what we actually uh, have done about it uh, since. So uh, let's do all we can to keep ourselves honest on this. Yep. I'm committed. Same here. Same here.